All right. Well, good morning. Good to see everybody here this morning. Uh, this is going to be our welcome song. Uh, see some new faces. Glad to have y'all with us today. If we mess up singing, just act like you didn't hear it and just keep right on going. Y'all sing with us this morning. Shall reign 
church? Amen. Is the Lord worthy of praise this morning? Hallelujah. Hey, hallelujah. There we go. Amen and praise God. Got a couple announcements and then we'll get rolling and continue to worship our Lord. Um, thank you all for uh, being here to worship this morning. It's so exciting to see y'all's faces. I know we have some faces in the back um, getting ready for the funeral this afternoon. And so just be in prayer for the Thornton family. And uh, um, I appreciate all y'all that brought some food and those that are continuing to bring food right now and, and uh, help feed that family. We're going to continue to lift them up. You know, uh, it's going to be hard not seeing Jack right there in the very back. Uh, uh, it's just uh, hard. 95 years is a long time, a full life. But we're going to miss him. Amen, church? Amen. Amen. Um, so we'll continue to lift them up. Thank you for serving all the ways you serve and honor our, our, our Lord. A couple announcements. Our Sunday school and the rest of kids' ministry resumes January 10th. We're doing the younger classes, the toddlers and the nursery right now. But in January 10th, all of the children's stuff resumes. And so does um, our Sunday school classes for our adults. Looking forward to that. We have Lottie Moon Christmas offering going on right now, and so if you would um, feel led to, to give toward that to help our missionaries, um, this is one of the greatest uh, opportunities to support our missionaries that we have. We do that cooperatively, all the Southern Baptist churches, so if you just take one of the envelopes in the back, write Lottie Moon, or on your check, you write Lottie Moon, or if you give online, you just put on there Lottie Moon, and we'll make sure it gets to the right place, and I thank you for your faithfulness in that. We've always been faithful in giving to missions, and so thank you for that. Standing in the gaps um, happens tonight. We continue to do that. So Sunday night service, if you can be here to continue to stand in the gaps for our families, we uh, invite you to come and uh, looking forward to that. We won't have that next Sunday night, though. Um, we have Christmas and things going on. But with Christmas this week, we won't have Wednesday night service. But Thursday night, uh, Christmas Eve, we'll have a special Christmas Eve service at 4 p.m. And that's only 4 to 4.30. It's a 30-minute service. And, and I'm trying to be really structured. I know we have families in. That's the reason I'm being structured is because I, I want you to know when you can come and when you can get out of here and go back, do your Christmas um, festivities and, and open gifts and eat and all that good stuff. But we have a special guest that I don't want y'all to miss on Thursday. Um, the special guest is extremely famous. In fact, uh, uh, he's, he's been around for, for over 2,000 years. And this guest is uh, one of the original shepherds. And so he's going to tell you about his experience when the baby Jesus was born. And so I hope you can make this Thursday at 4 p.m. And, and listen in. It'll be a fun time and, so, and a time to worship our Lord, too. And so the candlelight and all that good stuff, too. All right. There's all those announcements. The last thing I wanted to share is you've noticed as you came in the back, we have um, our directories in. Uh, long story short, uh, they were supposed to have them a long time ago, but we're just getting them, and they still have a type error in them. Uh, the Jarrett's name in the deacon section is spelled incorrectly, spelled correctly in the family section. It's the only thing I can find wrong with it. But due to COVID and all the things where they have to shut down their business, they're permanently shutting down the, the Life Touches, their directory program for churches. And so this is what we have, and um, going forward with new directories, we'll have to go with someone else. But I hope you would get one. We have plenty of extras, and so they're in the back there as you come in. Let's worship through prayer. Father God, Lord, you are mighty, Lord. Lord, you are um, the King of kings, the Lord of lords. And God, as we come to this place to worship you, may um, that be the very thing that happens. True, awe-inspired worship, Lord. God, as we think about your names that you've given us, Lord, the son to be given, a child to be born, Lord, in the names of that child, God. Lord, today we get to look at everlasting father. 
Lord, I pray that as we do that this morning, Lord, that you would just move miraculously and, 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 and touch us in a special way, Lord, as we think about the Father we have in you, Lord. God, I love you. I'm looking forward to singing praises to your name from our hearts and our lips, Lord, and then worshiping through the word. We love you, and it's in the name of Christ we pray. Amen. All right, well, this is our birthday and anniversary song. If y'all stand with us, we'll sing two verses. Okay, you ain't got to be that excited. Come on down, Grace. <laughs> How young? 16? Okay. Okay. 47. Yeah. Bless your heart. <laughs> That's why I'm saying bless your heart over there. But. All right, we better sing before I get in trouble. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, God bless you. Happy birthday to you. I can't wait no more to say a many more. Oh. My deal's not working. Uh -uh. Let's try it again. Y'all can be seated. I was sitting there trying to fix that machine, and I'm not that smart. Whenever you're ready, we can sing while, while he's playing with that.
to the land. 
I guess it didn't make any difference. We could have sang them in either order. songs that you like the music part of it so we're going to see if we can get through it yeah I'll remember to go up this time (laughs) 
night of wonder, still in silence, heaven's brilliance from above, light of glory, pierce the darkness, mercy pierce my heart with love. This is Jesus, King of glory, here to rescue from the fall, Son of God who comes to save us, Prince of Peace and Lord of all. Oh, the mystery, who could fathom, God would leave his holy throne for a manger, for a sinner, for us all to be his own. This is Jesus, King of glory, here to rescue from the fall, Son of God comes to save us, Prince of Peace and Lord of all. Rejoice, He is with us. Rejoice, hope is here. Rejoice, He is with us. Rejoice, hope is here. Rejoice, He is with us. Rejoice, hope is here. Rejoice, He is with us. Rejoice, hope is here. This is Jesus, King of glory, here to rescue from the fall son of god who comes to save us prince of peace and lord of all for the heart so prone to wonder for they speak so quick to flee god is here and love is reaching for the lost and least of these It's all yours, brother. Praise the Lord, church. Oh, praise God. For he's with us. Hope is here. I just, uh, it overwhelms me to think about the fact that hope is here. And if we need a message this year, and a message for Christmas to bring, it would be that hope is here. It's here, church. Amen? This morning we start our, or not start, we're continuing our series with the names of the born child. The fact that the Lord promised a child to be born. And, and we saw that child 2,000 years ago. We know his name is Jesus, Messiah, the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords. We've been singing about him. We've been uh, praising the name, his name. But to come back to this place of this announcement, this greatest birth announcement ever given, 
given 700 years before Jesus ever came. There from the lips of Isaiah, or maybe the hand of Isaiah, as he, he wrote these words given by the Lord. For unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government will be upon his shoulders. His name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. So as we look at that, we've been spending time going through those names, and this week we're on that third name. But I want us to remind—I want to remind us just for a moment as as we think and mention the fact of the influence of names. You know, names are are powerful; they have an influence. We talked a little bit about that. We talked about how they are ways we can identify with someone. If we say someone's name, we identify that person. We know who we're talking about. But then, not only do they identify, they help us with association. When we give a name, we associate different uh, characteristics, different traits with that name. And so, in fact, I believe that's why a lot of you teachers out here struggle when you come to that time of naming your children. I have some teachers in my family, and it's so funny when one of them is pregnant because they, they're, they're excited about this baby to come. And they start thinking about these names, and the spouse will always say, oh, I got the perfect name. It just feels right. It's a little baby boy. We'll call him Billy. And the spouse says, oh, no, 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 you don't understand. I had a kid one time. (laughs) His name was Billy. It was six years ago or 16 years ago or however long it's been. But the name Billy still makes me cringe. I know how you teachers operate. You associate We all do. We associate characteristics, traits with names. And that's even more true in the Hebrew culture. If you think about all the different names as you go through the Old Testament over and over again, their names are not just these these names like we use today. They're actual characteristics. In fact, Jacob wasn't just this name Jacob. It meant deceiver or usurper. Um, You think about uh, uh, the name um, um, Israel, when his name turns to Israel, that literally meant wrestle with God, this idea of wrestling with him. And so the names were so important back then. And that's true in the New Testament. You remember a guy named Saul that got a name change, his name changed to Paul. And you see the, the before and after with God and how it all works. Names are so important. And so when we get to a birth announcement in the scriptures from Isaiah 6 or 9, verse 6, when we get to that announcement and it says, and his name shall be called whatever follows is extremely important amen and as we think about these names we're thinking about the characteristics the how this identifies this baby boy how what we associate with him and so the first week we looked at wonderful counselor last week we looked at mighty god and this week we're looking at the everlasting father And so the first point this morning is simply that the name of the born child is everlasting father. It says in his name shall be called everlasting father. Now, this is the one that interests me more than any other ones. And I think the reason it interests me is because it intrigues me. When I think about this, it's it's intriguing. The fact that this baby boy that's going to be born, a child to be given, who we know is Jesus, the Messiah, who is the Son of God, here is called the Everlasting Father. What do we make of that? How do we make sense of that? I I think about this. I mean, you go through those names, wonderful counselor. You think about a baby being a wonderful counselor. Yeah, that's pretty crazy, right? A baby giving counsel. But I can see it, okay? Last week we looked at mighty God and yeah, you think about a baby being God. That's kind of crazy. I get it. But this week, the baby, the boy that is born, the child is everlasting father. What does that mean? What are we getting at here? We've went too far, right? 
a child called Father. A baby who recently takes its first breath out of the womb of Mary. has been since everlasting. I think that's what God's getting at here. He's saying this isn't no ordinary child to be given. This isn't any ordinary boy or son. This, the whole point of these names to be given to this child is this is not an ordinary one. This is something special. He's going to be an everlasting father. He will be one with me as I am your heavenly father. He'll be one with me. While this baby, again, will take those first breaths outside of the womb of Mary. Was there present when God breathed breath for the very first time into Adam. This baby has been everlasting, no beginning, no end. He was not an ordinary child. The son will be called everlasting father. But I hope as we come to this name this morning, it's not just something that interests you. I hope it's not something that just intrigues you like it intrigues me. I hope it's something that gives you hope and gives you a sense of joy this Christmas as we think about who he is as the everlasting father. So what I want to do is very simple this morning. I want to go through and give a little bit more explanation. I'm going to spend about half the time giving explanation on this title, Everlasting Father, because I think it's important that we understand what he's getting at when he says everlasting father. So we'll look at that a little deeper. But then I want to spend the rest of the time looking at the fact that what that means for us, that he's our everlasting father. What does that mean? What's the application from that? And so that's what I want to do as we break this down. So the second point, getting into that explanation, is Jesus' name, everlasting father, says much about the nature of God. It says much, a lot about the nature of God. As we said, names are associated with traits, and, and the names of this born child is going to give us this association of, of the nature of God, what the nature of God is like. Again, calling him wonderful counselor was to put us in a place of awe and wonder. As we come before with open ears to hear that counsel and you think about mighty God, it was a, to take us and put us in a place of humility as we trust and understand that God's hand is over us. And today, as we look at everlasting father, it's to take and put us in this place of eternal perspective that knows God, that gets to know him. Sometimes I think we just take advantage of things and, and don't really catch on to the, the depth of what we're talking about at times. But did you all realize that we have the, the privilege of knowing God? Let that sink in for a moment, church. We can know him. And that's what he's getting at as the everlasting father, one that you can know and have a relationship with. And so that's what we're getting at here. And so let's dig in a little bit deeper here. Everlasting father in Hebrew is Abiyad. Abi. Odd. Very simple. It literally means everlasting father. It means father of everlasting is literally how, how you would translate it. Father of everlasting or eternal father. And so there's two different aspects of this title here, of this name. The first aspect is this everlasting aspect, this eternal aspect, that this Messiah, this Christ to come, that Jesus is eternal forever. In the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God and the word became flesh from the beginning he's the alpha to the omega as he's described in revelation from the beginning to the end and you think about colossians and so i'm going to skip around a little bit this morning so i'm going to have the 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 verses on the screens up here so colossians 1 i want you to see what it says here colossians chapter 1 verse 15 it says here he is the image of the invisible god the firstborn over all creation 
For by him all things were created that are in heaven and that are on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or principalities or powers, all things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things consist. What's it saying there? Jesus had no beginning. He had no beginning. He has no end. He existed from the beginning of earth to the the end of earth. He dwells in the eternal. I was thinking of how to even communicate that this morning. How do you communicate that somebody dwells in the the eternal? He's present in the eternal. Because you can't really use past tense because it's there. And you can't use present tense. You can't use future tense. It's just there, eternal. He's there. It's amazing, isn't it, church? That's the first aspect we get here is he has no beginning. He's everlasting, eternal. He's, he's literally unceasing in duration is what we're getting at. The second aspect of this title is the fatherly nature. The fact that he says everlasting father, that he has a father's nature. And I think this is really important for us. Because as you, you think about this, it can be confusing. Like I said, we're talking about the son of God. And here we're calling him everlasting father. So what do we make of that? And I don't think it's talking about his role in the Trinity. I don't think God's having an identity crisis here saying, I don't know if I'm the father at this point, or I don't know if I'm the son at this point, or the Holy Spirit at this point. He's he's not having a crisis here of who he is. That's not what it's getting at. We know 100% that Jesus Christ, the Messiah, is the son of God. He's the son. That's his role in the Trinity. And it's not saying that God wears three different hats. It's not saying sometimes he puts on his son hat. Sometimes he puts on his father hat and the Holy Spirit hat. That's not what it's saying. God is the Trinity. He's one, but in three persons. And I know that's impossible to understand. I'm not up here saying it's easy to understand. It's to say that his ways are higher than ours. It's a part of worshiping him by understanding that, God, you are way more than I can even fathom. What a blessing that is. And so I think about this fact that he's three persons, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, but they're of one essence, of one being, one God. And so my point again is that this name, Everlasting Father, is more about the nature of God rather than the role of God at this point. His nature, who he is, the nature. So therefore, because he's one with the Father, though, we're going to see the nature of the Father. And Jesus tries to walk through this several different times. He walks through it throughout um, many times. In fact, I want you all to go to John chapter 8 with me. So go ahead and turn your Bibles to John 8. I'll have it on the screens too. But this is one of those times that he was trying to describe it. And you know how it's confusing for us? For me to say God's one but three persons. That's confusing. Amen? Amen? It was confusing for them. I mean, could you imagine they've always heard the Shema that they repeat over and over again. The Lord, the God, He is one. One And so as you hear this, it's, it's confusing. And so as he's going into this, it's John chapter 8, verse 56. If you're there, say amen. And what he's doing is he's talking with some religious leaders. He's, he's struggling with them is really what's happening is they're, they're kind of coming against him. And he's, he's trying to explain what's going on. And so they start questioning him. They question his authority. What authority are you even talking about this? He says, under the, my father's authority. And then they start questioning, well, where's your origin? Well, I've always been <laughs> with the Father. They start questioning his motives. And so that's when we come into this verse, chapter 8 of John, verse 56. If you have it in your Bibles, follow along or look on the screens with me. It says, your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Let me put that in plain English for us today. He says, 
I'm everlasting. I, in fact, know Abraham. Now think about this. Put yourself in the first century Jewish shoes for a moment and think about hearing those words that he knows Abraham, that, that he spent time with Abraham. That don't make any sense. And so they, they catch on really fast and, and they start struggling with them. They're like, hold on. And look at verse 57. He says, they say, you're not even 50 years old yet. And you have seen Abraham? And Jesus said to them in verse 58, most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Oh, my church, don't let that just go in one ear and out the other. Before Abraham was, I am. That should start ringing some bells for us, church. As you think about God, as he reveals himself, the very way he revealed his personal name to Moses was by these very same words. When Moses said, I'm to go to Egypt and lead them out. How in the world is all that going to happen? They're not even going to believe me. Who should I say sent me? And God says, my name is Yahweh. I am who I am. So imagine in the first century Jewish shoes that you're setting in this morning, hearing before Abraham was, I am. He's showing that he's everlasting, that he just simply is. He's always been, he always will be. And that's the exact language he uses, I am. He too is of the same nature of the Father. And so then just flip over to John chapter 10. Just a couple chapters later, John chapter 10. And just one verse here, he explicitly says it in John 10 verse 30. He explicitly says, I and my Father are one. He's being very clear with them through this whole line of thought. I am one with the Father. And so that helps us see part of the Messiah's mission. I want to hopefully help us to, to see what God is showing us this morning as we think about this, as he calls him everlasting Father, and that we see the nature of God through Christ. Because that was part of the Messiah's mission. If I was to ask you this morning, what was the mission of Jesus? What was the mission of Jesus coming? What was the whole purpose of Jesus? I think I know where most of our minds go. It would go to something along the lines of, you know, Jesus came and lived a perfect life and he died a death on the cross to forgive me of my sins. Amen. And that's what a blessing. And it certainly is true. Amen. Praise God for that. And in fact, that's the climax of the whole gospel. It's the climax from the beginning to the end that we have a, a Lord who came in the manger, lived the perfect life, gave his life and allows our sins to be forgiven. It's the greatest blessing. However, Something that should take us to the most humblest of places is something that I believe that sometimes we take with pride. Follow me, church. Follow with me. If you're listening, say, I'm listening. No doubt all that is true, that he came and forgave me. But at times, I think our focus and our thoughts about Christ are still so much centered on ourselves. Think about it for a moment. The fact that Jesus did that for me, the fact that my sins are gone, the fact that I have new life, I have been born again, the fact that I am forgiven, the fact that I have no more shame or guilt to carry. Now, all those are beautiful blessings. Church, please don't misunderstand me this morning. Those are beautiful, true, 100% blessings. We are born again, blood cleansed, forgiven saints. But church, please, please, let's not forget. Let's not forget the blood drained, perfect sacrifice, crucified 
death-conquering Savior that made it possible. Let us not focus so much on ourselves that we lose sight of Him that got us to that place. Again, these are all true, but Jesus' mission was much more than just dying on a cross. That's the culmination. That's the beautiful blessing that comes through it. And that's what gives us the freedom in Christ. That's what gives us the forgiveness. Amen. But His mission was more than that. It was to reveal the Father to us in a perfect way. I want us to catch that this morning. His purpose, His mission was to reveal the Father, the Heavenly Father to us in a perfect way. So look at John 14 with me now. Flip over a couple more chapters. John chapter 14, and when you get there, say amen. Amen. Verse 6, look at it with me. And so John's talking, uh, I mean, Jesus is talking back and forth with His disciples. And it says in verse 6, Jesus told Thomas, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to me except No one comes to the Father except through me, he says. The only way to get to the Father is through me. Look at verse 7. He says, if you had known me, you would have known my Father also. And from now on, you know him and have seen him. But Philip said to him, I think this is our response so often, Lord, show us the Father. And it's sufficient for us. Show us, Lord. But listen to Jesus' response in verse 9. He said to them, Have I been with you so long, and yet you have not known me, Philip? He who has seen me has seen the Father, so how can you say, show us the Father? Do you not believe that I am in the Father, and the Father in me? The words that I speak to you, I do not speak on my own authority. But the Father who dwells in me does the works. Believe me that I am in the Father, and the Father in me. Jesus is walking through this whole passage with them saying, I am one with the Father. In fact, when he gets to John 17, he even prays that we become one with them. It's beautiful what happens through this this, this whole passage. Go through and read the Gospel of John and think about what he's really saying here. I am one with the Father. He says, I've come to show you the Father. And in fact, you know the Father if you know me. But Philip says, I don't. Show me him. Church, may we not find our place where Philip is, where the Lord is with us. He has shown himself mightily over and over and over again. And we say those words, I don't see God. I don't see him. I don't feel him. I don't sense him. How many of us get there, church? I'm there. I get there. I'm with you. But listen to Jesus's response. I'm with you. I dwell here with you. In fact, he's going to go a little bit more. Jesus' mission was to reveal the Father to us. And it's in that revelation that we see God. It's in the revelation of Jesus that we really see who God really is, church. It's in that revelation that we see a God who loved us while we were still sinners. He loved us while we were sinners. Didn't just put up with us. He loved us. We see in that revelation that He loved us so much that He sent His only begotten Son so that we'd have everlasting life. In that revelation, we see the image of the invisible God. It's in that revelation that we see what the wrath of sin looks like to the Father. It's in that revelation that we see the Son take on that wrath of sin. It's in that revelation that we see Him him literally come out of the grave and walk as He raises to life. It's in that revelation that he helps us to then conquer death. 
This, this afternoon's going to be tough as we, we have a funeral for a deacon that's been a deacon of our church for 63 years. For 63 years, he's been a deacon here. Jack has. It's tough. But through Christ and the revelation he has given us of who the Father is, death is defeated, church. And then he too, we see a God who calls us into the same mission of reconciliation with him as we wait the tremendous return of Christ. What a revelation, church. You know, there's a funny thing about children. Children uh, are just hilarious to me. Um, Amen? And you think about the generations of children. And I think about my own family. I have a brother who's older than me. He's the firstborn. And my dad's name's Earl. And my brother's name is Earl Jr. And he looks just like my dad. And then so my brother had his firstborn. And guess what his name is? Earl the third. And he looks just like him. So we have Earl the Senior, Earl Junior, and Earl the Third, and they all have the same face. They all look just like each other, and they're—I they're, would—I call them spitting images. You know, they look just like them. But even in that, Earl the same names, they're still just partial resemblances. They're different. But when we see the Son of God, He is the perfect resemblance of the Father. Perfect, 100% perfect resemblance of the Father. He has spent eternity with Him. Perfectly reveals the Father to us. Unto us a child is born, a son is given. His name shall be called Everlasting Father. So hopefully that helps us as we think about the explanation of that term, Everlasting Father, as we think about Christ's mission to reveal the Father to us. But now I want to change gears a minute here. I want to look at what does that mean for us? What does it mean for him to be called everlasting father? Why is it important that we're spending a whole morning, Sunday morning, on talking about an everlasting father that came into the manger? What, what's the purpose of all that? And that's what I want to get to in this third point. And that's that the everlasting father is at an everlasting work. The everlasting father is at an everlasting work. And so as we think about this, God has privileged us not only to be a part of this everlasting work, but for him to perform this everlasting work in us. That's what Philippians teaches us. In Philippians 1, 6, it says, I am confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. That's one of the verses that gives me more hope than anything else. Because I know 100% that God... He started, he began a good work in me. He's delivered me out of a terrible pit. He's took me and put me on my own exodus. He's he's, he's brought me out of some things that I never would have dreamed of being in. I know he's worked. I know he's began a good work in me. And now I have hope that he will finish it. Church, that is a hope-filled verse right there. And he does this in so many ways. He finishes this work in so many ways. And that's what I want to spend the rest of the time talking about. Six different ways that he performs this everlasting work. And so I'm going to have scripture that goes with every one of these. And I, I normally stick with just one passage, but I want to throw up some of these other passages on the screens for you. And so you don't have to flip your Bibles, but I want to, to, to think about this. How does he perform this everlasting work? And the first way he provides strength, the strength of everlasting arms. If you look at the screens, you'll see Deuteronomy 33, 27. And it says... The eternal God is your refuge, and underneath are the everlasting arms. Church, maybe today you're feeling weak. 
Maybe you're feeling weak. Maybe you're feeling like your, your knees are about to give out under you. I've been there, church. Christmas is right around the corner. We're missing some loved ones. We're wondering what this is even going to look like with COVID. We're, we're, just, we're just at a loss a lot of times right now. And you might feel weak, but I want to tell you that while you are weak, he is strong. He is strong, church. And he takes those everlasting arms and he reaches and he can reach you wherever you are. Just like Peter, when he got out of the boat, you remember he steps out on the water. He had faith in Christ. He says, if it's you, Lord, call me out. And Jesus says, come. And he steps out of that water and he starts walking. And then he sees the, the wind and the doubt comes on. And he starts to sink. But you know what he says? He says, Lord, save me. And what happens next? The everlasting arms of our Lord reached out and grabbed him. Man who was blind all of his life came in contact with these everlasting arms that reached up, rubbed his eyes, and gave him sight. Those everlasting arms that were put on a cross for us, those nails couldn't stop them. They raised, and he had new life, and he reaches you with everlasting arms, no matter how deep you are in that sinking sand that you find yourself in, no matter what kind of muck you find yourself in, how, no matter how far you feel from the Lord this morning, church, his everlasting arms can reach you. Let him reach you. What have I to dread? What have I have to fear? Leaning on the everlasting arms. Secondly, he ministers with an everlasting consolation. Look at 2 Thessalonians with me, chapter 2, verse 13. It should be on the screens. It says this. But we are bound to give thanks to God always for you, brethren, beloved by the Lord, because God from the beginning chose you for salvation through sanctification by the Spirit and belief in the truth, to which He called you by our gospel for the attaining of the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ. Therefore, brethren, stand fast and hold the traditions which were taught, whether by word or by epistle. And then he prays for him and says, Now may our Lord Jesus Christ himself and our God and Father, who has loved us and given us everlasting consolation and good hope by grace, comfort your hearts and establish you in every good word and work. Jesus is one who consoles in an everlasting way. He, he's there to comfort you in your times of trouble. And the greatest act of consolation, he says, is that you've been chosen for salvation. To be given new life through belief in the word. Through belief in him. And you've been brought into the, the glory of God by the spirit. He says, you have salvation. May this be consoling to you this morning. If you find yourself struggling May he come beside you and say, I have called you my child, my daughter, my son. Thirdly, he performs his work with everlasting power. First Timothy six says this, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness 
godliness, faith, love, patience, gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold on eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. I urge you in the sight of God who gives life to all things and before Christ Jesus who witnessed the good confession before Pontius Pilate that you keep this commandment without spot, blameless until our Lord Jesus Christ appearing, which he will manifest in his own time. He who is the blessed and only potent or sovereign, the King of kings, the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, dwelling in unapproachable light, whom no man can see or has seen, to whom be honor and everlasting power. Amen. How does he continue this everlasting work in your life? With an everlasting power, church. I want you to understand that this morning, Jesus has an everlasting power that can break you free of whatever it is that has you bound. Whatever it is that's got you in, in chains and shackles that feels like you can't get out, whether it's an addiction or, or whatever, it's just a sin problem that you know that you're facing, you can't get rid of. The power that is everlasting of Jesus can come in and break you free, church. That is a message to be heard this morning that His power is everlasting. He rules over an everlasting kingdom. Fourthly, He rules over an everlasting kingdom. Psalms 145.13 says, Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The verse we just read in Timothy before that, it says that He is the only sovereign, the only potent. This idea that He's Lord of lords and King of kings. The question I want to ask this morning, church, is of what citizenship do you hold? Where's your citizenship lie? Which kingdom are you a citizen of? Because the Bible's very clear that there's two rulers. There's the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords that's ultimately going to put everything under his rule. But right now, there's a ruler of this world that the Bible talks very clearly about. His name's Satan. The enemy, the evil one. And he rules this world to the point of blinding people from the gospel, it tells us. Which one are you a kingdom of? Which one are you a citizen of? Which kingdom? Because Satan rules the world. Is that where your citizenship is, church? Listen to me. Do you get joy and fulfillment from the things of this world? Do you find your philosophy for life based on the ways of this world? Do you catch yourself saying things like, Follow your heart, lead, let your heart lead or be the you and, and the beautiful that you are or the, the best version of you. And, and, and I understand the heart behind all those things, but the truth is, is it's opposing Scripture. Scriptures tell us that we have a terrible heart not to listen to it, to let God change our heart and let it be transformed. The Scriptures tell us that, that, that we are fallen short of the glory of God, the place we are, and that we yield to Him and He brings us in communion with Him. But do we find ourselves saying, what does it really hurt, even though it's opposing to the Word of God? Because if that's the case, our citizenship might be in the wrong place, church, because there's another kingdom. There's a kingdom of heaven, a kingdom of God. In which Christ rules? Is your, is your joy and peace found in Christ? Does your philosophy line up with what the Scriptures really say? Not what people say the Bible says, but what it really says. Has He revealed it to you? Has He shown it to you? Do you seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and allow all the other things to be added unto you as He tells us it would? Where is our citizenship? Because He rules an everlasting kingdom. 
Satan's kingdom is not everlasting. In fact, it says that one day he'll be thrown in the eternal lake of fire. Fifthly, he maintains an eternal presence. Matthew 28, 20, those last words, the greatest commission in which he tells them to make disciples, teach and baptize, and he, and he tells them to observe these things. But the end of it, in verse 20, he says, Behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He is present with you. May you simply, maybe you just simply need to hear that this morning. That he is present today. You have felt so far away from him. And you come and you find yourself sitting in this pew, maybe the first time or, or over and over and over and over again. You find yourself in this pew, but God seems to be nowhere to be found. I want to tell you that he has an everlasting presence in which he says, I am here. May you see him today. May you see him. Lastly, he gives us life that is eternal. John 14 says this in verse 15. It says, if you keep my commandments... If you love me, keep my commandments and I will pray to the father and he will give you another helper and he may abide with you forever. The spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him for he dwells with you and I and will be with you in you. It says verse 18, I will not leave you orphans. I will come to you. Church, did you remember the name everlasting father? I won't leave you as an orphan, he says. I'll come to you. Verse 19, a little while longer and the world will see no more, me no more. But you will see me because I live and you will live also this eternal life. Verse 20, and at that day you will know that I am in my father and you in me and I in you. He who has my commandments and keeps them, it is he who loves me. And he who loves me will be loved by my father and I will love him and manifest myself to him. And then Judas, not as a carrier, in verse 22, said to him, Lord, how is it that you will manifest yourself to us and not to the world? In verse 23, Jesus answered and said to him, if anyone loves me, he will keep my word and my father will love him and will come to him and make our home with him. He who does not love me does not keep my words in the word which you hear is not mine, but the Father's who sent me. And then you go back to John 10, verse 9. It says, I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and will go in and out of fine pasture. The thief does not come except to steal and to kill and destroy. But I have come that you may have life and that you may have it more abundantly. So to finish this application up for you, church. The way he is at an everlasting work in our lives is by giving eternal, everlasting life. Going back to John 3, 16, that he loved the world so much that he gave his only begotten son so that we might have everlasting life and not perish. The beautiful promise of life to have it more abundantly. Have you received that life from our Lord? Have you received it? Let me remind you as we close this out. He provides the strength of everlasting arms. He ministers with an everlasting consolation. He performs his work with everlasting power. He rules over an everlasting kingdom. He maintains an eternal presence. And he guides us. He gives us life that is eternal. You know, church, I found two things that really help me when I'm down. And one of them is, is to talk about it. Y'all with me? 
just to talk about it, to open up, share a little bit. And that's why community is so important because we need one another to, to share and talk about things and that lead us to Christ, to share with Him. And it helps me. But you know what else helps me? A good hug. Something I'm really missing in this season is a good hug. And the thing I love about a hug is that oftentimes... It's in that place that I'm weak, like I was sharing earlier. And someone comes up and takes and grabs me or takes their arms and wraps around me. And in that moment, I know that I'm being held, that they are giving me stability and security. And it's not just any type of hug. It's I'm here for you and I'm holding you up. Hug. I got you and I'm not letting you go. Church, last week. We. We're able to share a lot of it. We opened up our palms even and we gave it to the Lord. You remember last week we gave it to the Lord. We, we gave those things that are struggling and it felt good to be able to talk to the Lord about it and give it to him. But today I'm, I'm asking you to not leave it with just sharing, but that you would come and get a hug from our everlasting father. In the time of an invitation, you know. A lot of times we just think of that as a time to receive Christ. And certainly it is. You can come and receive Christ anytime you want. Cry out in faith and ask for the Lord's grace. But I look at a time of invitation a little more than just that. It's a time to respond. And the truth is, I think a lot of times it's in the time that we're giving to respond that we are the most resistant to the Spirit of God. I think it's in that time that we know that the Lord's moving in our hearts and wanting to move us to whatever direction, whatever step it is. And it's in that moment we're battling with that and we let we, we, we give in and we don't listen to the spirit. Church, would you not do that this morning? Would you not? Would you listen to the spirit of God this morning? And I know this is just an altar. The place I'm really calling you to is Christ. But maybe it takes you getting out of your seat and coming up here to one of the chairs or, or, or the altar and just saying, Lord, I've shared with you, but now I need a hug. Those everlasting arms, would you wrap them around me? In fact, let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father God, Lord, you, you, Lord, have the tender heart of a father. And Lord, you have uh, sons and daughters in here, Lord, that are struggling. I know they are. I see it on their face, God. Lord, maybe today's a day in which you call them, Lord, to just simply come to you for the first time, even maybe. Or maybe it's the hundredth time just to simply say, I need a hug. Lord, I remember growing up, I didn't just give my father one hug and that was enough for the rest of my life. Lord, I enjoyed a hug from my father. Maybe today we just simply come before you and say, I need a hug, Lord. I need to know your presence. I need to know you're holding me up. Lord, I need to know that your everlasting power is present in my life and you're wanting to do something in the midst of the struggles I'm in, Lord. I want to know that. I want to know you more than anything, though, Lord. I want to know that you are enough. Lord, would you work this morning? Help us not resist the Spirit. May the Spirit be in this place this morning to the most powerful way that it can to gear us and direct us this morning, Lord. And may we not hold on to anything we're holding on to but You, Lord. May we respond today, whether that's being saved or just remembering that we're in Your arms, Lord. God, I love You and I trust You today. Lord, thank You for this name, Everlasting Father. 
may we come to our Father today. In the name of Jesus Christ, I pray. Amen. If you would stand. I'm not going to not going to sing the song this morning. I'm going to do a little different. I'm going to let Tammy play. But I want you to bow your head and close your eyes. The message this morning was powerful. And just ponder on what Brother Jerry said about the everlasting Father. Father God, Lord, you um, always amaze me, Lord. And God, I'm thankful for brothers and sisters to come together and and worship uh, with, Lord. Lord, I pray that this Christmas, Lord, this this Friday, Lord, that you uh, bring such a joy in our homes, Lord, because we know the hope that we have in you, Christ. Lord, help us um, be reminded of those names we've been talking about, the fact that you're a wonderful counselor, Lord, and we lean into that counsel, Lord, and the fact that you're mighty and, and able, Lord, and, and the fact that you're a father that wants to simply bring us in close and near, Lord, and no matter how far we may be away from you. God, I thank you for that. Remind us this week. Help us communicate your love and your hope and your grace to our children and our grandchildren, Lord. Help us see you, and, 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 and Lord, we will give you all the praise and honor for it, Lord. We love you, God. I pray as we um, celebrate you, Lord, that you would move our hearts to just a sweet place of worship. In the name of Christ, we pray. Amen. Amen.